the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. As a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Soterra Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Soterra is under a separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Soterra Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Satera Advisor Networks LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Larry Rosenthal is here in studio with us again. Hey, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris, and it's good to be back. I'm so glad to see you. It is good to see you. Yes, sir. Had a little... uh, little Vacation there, last couple of weekends, I would say. So, who did you, who did who who authorized that anyway? Was that I don't know. You know, every <laughs> once in a while, got to take some time off, right? You just uh, had a conversation so, with last yourself. Last couple huh? Saturdays, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get a weekend here or there. So there it was good, go, good, good. But it's good to be back in the saddle then again. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We are open mic Saturday, as always which means no questions barred whatsoever. Give us a call with any of your financial planning, estate planning questions. Hey, are you concerned about Fitch downgrading the government ratings on bonds from AAA to AA plus? What does that mean? What does that mean for your bond yields? What does that mean for the overall rating solvency of the United States government? Well, this came about, okay, this came about because they cited fiscal deterioration over the next few years, high and growing government debt burden, and an erosion of governance manifested in repeated debt limit standoffs and last-minute budget resolutions over the last two decades. That's right. I'm reading because that's what they said. Ladies and gentlemen up there on the Hill, get it together, okay? <laughs> get it together. Right. You know, uh, part of it was exasperated by Tuesday's move or Tuesday's move was exasperated, I should say, when it came the day after the Treasury Department announced that it needs to borrow one hundred and eighty five trillion more dollars in the second half of this year alone. One trillion dollars. Let's get it together, people. How many zero? We do not have the United States does not have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem, okay? There you go. That's my political soapbox, Chris, for the year. (laughs) 
But come on, y'all. Let's get it together now. What does that do to the economy? What does that do to people here in the U.S.? What does that do to college loans? What does that do to credit card loans, mortgage rates, car rates when you finance a car? What does that do? It all shot the 10-year yield up, right? The 10-year yield is now at 4.24%. That's pretty high. That's pretty close to being extremely tight in the economy simply because we're not managing our own house in Congress, right? That affects 30-year mortgage rates, credit card loans, student loans, personal loans, okay? It, when interest rates get that high on the 10-year loan, it really tightens down the economy and pushes more slow – it drives slower growth. It drives less velocity of money, okay? So what does that mean? Well, on one hand, we can start taking advantage of higher rates in the bond market, which is a good thing, okay? But at the same time, it could slow down the velocity of money. And remember, two-thirds of GDP is represented by spending. You and I, Chris, spending money out in the economy, okay? And if we have rates that are getting a little too high and a little too tight, that spending slows down, corporate earnings drops, and then the stock market comes down, bond yields drop, and we start the whole thing over again. But, you know, we don't want to go through that, right? We don't want to go through those issues. So come on, let's get it together up there on the Hill. Anyway, that's enough of that. But that is the reason why, and that is where we are today with that. So how do we play this? How do we do this? What do we do? Where do we move away from? Where do we move toward? You take a look at these Treasury yields right now, boy, what a buying opportunity they are in T-bills, simply T-bills, you know, um, longer-duration corporate bonds as well. At some point, the Fed will start to lower rates again, and those corporate bonds are probably going to shoot up pretty well if you have a longer duration on there. So it's going to be sort of a timing thing if the Fed comes out and says, hey, we're going to lower next week, you want to move to longer-duration bonds. They're not going to do that, though, okay? They say that there's probably one more rate hike to go. I don't believe so. I think they're done, D-O-N-E right now. I think they're done. They don't meet in August. They meet again in September. That's going to give us two more months of economic data, and we're starting to see things slow down. You take a look at corporate earnings right now. Corporate earnings are coming in actually surprisingly a little bit better than what has people have anticipated, but when you look at blended earnings, which is – 85% of the S&P 500 to date as of Friday has reported uh, second quarter earnings so far. And when you look at blended earnings, those that have reported and then those that are anticipated to report, we're down 5.25% a year over year on corporate earnings. That's the number one reason why people buy stock to begin with. So we're starting to see this this wall of interest rates that the Fed has raised starting to slow down the economy, which has brought down inflation, which is part of the goal. The question still is unanswered. Has the Fed gone far enough? We don't know until they pause. I think they're done. I, think, I don't think they're going to raise uh, in September, I, at least based off of the information that I'm seeing now, the data that I'm seeing. But we'll wait and see what the next couple of months bring. You know, on the other hand, we had a nice jobs report the other day. Nice jobs report because we didn't hire as many people as we thought we would hire, right, over, you know, over the last period. That helps to bring down inflation. 
but wages did shoot up a little bit, and unemployment's dropped to 3.5%. So on one hand, we see the economy slowing. On the other hand, we see very good strength and robust parts of the economy starting to turn back upwards. So it's a very interesting uh, dichotomy there when you really break it down and take a look at the factors that are going into all of this stuff here. Um, so, you know, we've got to get our fiscal house together uh, as far as uh, debt ceiling issues and all that kind of stuff so that we can get our ratings back up again, okay? Uh, this, you know, this I didn't like this when I saw this the other day. I understand why, but I didn't like it. I actually and, haven't and seen you that upset in a while on the radio No, show. and you directly look at, you know, this, this happened once uh, uh, several years ago as well, you know. And so we'll get out what of it. That, what does that actually do um, to the growth of the economy and all the rest of it when we get downgraded like that? Does that well, it, it's a cascade effect. It spikes interest rates up, and and you look at the ten-year note, and it spiked the ten-year note up, and everything as far as borrowing money wraps around the ten-year note. Mm. Mortgage rates go up, credit card rates go up, car financing goes up, student loan debt goes up, personal loans go up. Wow. Anything that you're buying on time goes up, which slows down the overall economy, okay? And it has nothing to do with your household. It has everything to do with that household, you know, the, the, the all the stuff that's going on in D.C., basically. Yeah, I see. So, so we've got to really take a look at this. We don't have a, rev- a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. So let's get it together now, okay? Mm. So that, that's enough of that. But, but – uh, we can take advantage of higher rates in the bond market. Okay, we've been doing that all along during this cycle, uh, and and now it looks like we're going to be able to do a little bit more of it. <laughs> so you know, if you if you if you understand how things are played out and understand where where to move money to and move money away from, you can you can still make money in basically just about a lot of different types of markets and economic conditions. So and a bond just, fund would be a good thing to be in possibly at this time. Well, there's different types of bond funds, Chris, yes. Mm. And, and you know, for those that need to have money in fixed income or bonds, yes. So do you want to have something that's very short in, in maturity time or duration? Or do you want to have something that's middle of the road or something that's long? Mm-hmm. Right now, the middle of the road is the sort of the sweet spot on where you want to be. If at some point down the road the Fed says, hey, we need to start lowering rates, okay, uh, which could be sometime next year, not this year for sure, but some maybe sometime second half of next year, then you want to move your, your duration on your bonds further out, 20, 30 years. Right now, you want to be mid 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 curve or something like that. So, so you know, there's always opportunity based off of what the Fed's doing or Congress is doing with taxes and different things like that. So, right now, we're going to take advantage of some of these things. So, hey, let's open up the phone lines. It is Saturday morning. Dial us up at eight five five Rose one two three eight five five Rose one two three or eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Come on and chime on in here on this debt ceiling issue or on the uh, credit rating issue. Anything that's on your mind with estate planning, taxes, insurance, uh, your four oh one K plan, the stock market, what does it mean for, for earnings when we see some tech bohemus miss earnings and others exceed earnings? What does that mean going forward in the tech marketplace? Give us a call. 855-ROSE-123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Mark down August 26th on your calendar. Larry Rosenthal will once again repel 14 stories down the Hyatt Regency Tyson's Corner Center and go over the edge with Holistic Haitian Alliance, formerly known as Helping Haitian Angels. To learn how you can help, go to holistichaitianangels.org. That's holistichaitianangels.org. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, 855 767 3123 is our phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live in studio, I think, somewhere here. Are you here, Larry? Are you with us? I can't I see you. I can't see you. There we there go. We go. <laughs> live and in broadcast. Got to hit the go. button, right? Yeah. There we go. We're back. We are. <laughs> oh, and I was going to tell you something before we get started here. Um, I see some baseballs back there on the back of your uh, your shelf there. They They seem like they're nicely encased. And I'm assuming that they've got names on them and all the rest of it, yes? From the Little League teams, yeah. From the Little League, not the Big League teams? Yeah, right, okay. I'm sure these guys played Little League at some point. Uh, I'm sure they did at some point. Well, this is my baseball collection, just just so you know. Um, I'm guessing it's not going to have a whole lot of value. What do you think? For those of you that are not watching on YouTube, I'll bring it up a little bit you larger, will see larger. that Chris, you'll understand Chris's baseball uh, <laughs> lost a fight with a puppy in his house. <laughs> Which looks pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I'm not putting that back in a case, I don't think. I'll um, send you a baseball. Thank you. I need one. <laughs> there you go. All right, sir. There you go. Hey, so each week, you know, we get we get questions uh, sent to the office, and, and people will call in and say, hey, we heard you talking about this, or we have clients that ask questions and, and things of that. We want to continue to be an educational source for, for everyone here. One of the questions that, that, that came across was – it was an interesting question, and it's like, you know – uh, how do you how do you really figure the 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 one thing that weighs the most in making a decision on a mutual fund? And, and the question is posed: This, what's the most important item 
when evaluating a mutual fund? Is it the star rating by the mutual fund or, or that it has? Is it the expense ratio? Is it the turnover ratio for tax? Is it the exposure to capital gains? Is it the standard deviation, the alpha, the beta, uh, the trainer ratio? Is it the, the information ratio, the upside, downside capture? Rank within percentage of category? You know, these are just the, – the, when you look at evaluating a mutual fund, whether or not you should buy that mutual fund or, or add more money to it or pull money out of it and place it somewhere else, what are the factors that go into it is the question. And I just sort of listed off of several of them off the top of my head. And, and the answer is this. There's no one real factor that plays into it that says, oh, because this one, like, you know, if there's – if there's 55 data points in grading a mutual fund, then which one is the most important is the question. And it's really not that way. It's more along the lines of take 20 or 30 of those data points, and what does the story tell you about that mutual fund? How do you go about grading the mutual fund? And remember this, too. When you're looking at grading of a mutual fund, a lot of what you're looking at is in the rearview mirror, okay? So especially the star ratings. When you look at the star ratings of a mutual fund, a lot of people will buy a mutual fund based off the star ratings. And your five-star funds quite often in the next few years could turn into a three-star fund and vice versa for that matter. So you really have to dive down into the nuts and bolts of it, a lot of these things that I was just talking about there in grading a mutual fund. So you're sitting here now and you're thinking, well, you know, I've got money in my 401K plan or my government TSP plan or my own brokerage account or whatever. How do I go about finding out what all these gradings are and ratings? You know, you can go to, to different services, you know, Zephra, Morningstar, you know, just a lot of different services out there that can list in their little help section, their index, or just Google it up for that matter, um, and and uh, uh, take a look at w how you go about grading out a mutual fund. Oftentimes, we'll have people come in and say, hey, can you just evaluate our portfolio? You know, Larry, here's here's our holdings. What, are they, what do they represent in your eyes? What do they look like? from a risk-return positioning. You know, I was working with a client this past week, and I was showing them, you know, here's your performance, and then here's your performance when we put risk involved with it. And from a risk-adjusted return, they were exceeding the markets, which is wonderful news. You know, so, so here you have, when, when you take a look at a, at a portfolio and you're going, hey, you know, this portfolio is 22% less risky than the market, and on a risk-adjusted basis, we're beating the market, you've got room for downside protection inside that, that, mm. that, you know, that portfolio. So the question is, is really a little bit more, it's, it's a little bit deeper than just what's the one data point that you look at to say, yes, I'm going to buy this mutual fund, or no, I'm not going to buy that mutual fund. And it doesn't start and stop with the star ratings by any means at all. You know, there, there are, there, you know, there's a lot of data points. Like I said, there's like 55 or well, I don't know how many there are. When you look at grading out a mutual fund, 
this is this is a way that you can really find out how your fund performs versus its peer group and that's the most important thing and that's really one of the areas that that people have a lot of dislocation on is they say well you know hey the the uh, this mutual fund compared to that mutual fund look at the performance difference Mm-hmm. And they might be in two different sectors. They might be in two different asset classes. They might go after two different types of investment vehicles. So you have to make sure that you're comparing things apples to apples. You know, if you have a large company growth mutual fund versus a large company value mutual fund, two different investment objectives completely. So you have to line these things up and make sure that they're, they're you know, they're, they're going down the road that you want them to go for a fair analysis. So i got a question so, for you with regards to these, uh, what you're talking about. Isn't the end goal to be taxes and inflation overall in your portfolio? Isn't that the baseline that you want to get to? Yeah, when you're looking at wealth, at creating wealth, okay, and, and growing, growing assets to create wealth and then protecting wealth and then having that deliver streams of income for you in, in tax-efficient ways, that's exactly right, Chris. You need to outpace taxes and inflation in order to get that purchasing power in the grocery store, okay, uh, on, the, on the automobile car lot. Mm. You need to outpace taxes and inflation and fees. And that's in each of your individual investments, even in these funds that you're talking about, right? In every one of them, right across the board, absolutely. And, okay. and then you take a look, you, 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 you expand on that conversation. You say, well, wait a minute here. If I'm going to outpace taxes and inflation, it depends what inflation's running at, and it depends what my personal tax rate is too, right? Mm. So, so you have that issue, right? So, so if you take a look at let's just say eight percent as an average, if you if you are earning about eight percent on your overall portfolio after taxes and inflation, you should net a two percent compound rate of return. That's good enough. But taxes and inflation do take up a big chunk, and inflation is the silent killer, all right? People don't realize that if you're not keeping up with taxes and inflation about seven or eight years into retirement, you're going to feel the pinch. That's when it hits you, okay? So it's important, even though you're retired or close to retirement, to make sure that you have some money that we would call quiet money, Money that doesn't go up much, doesn't go down much, but money that's there to deliver income for safety, security, those types of things. But you also need money to grow for when you're in your 70s and your 80s and your 90s. You still need that growth component in your portfolio, okay, just so that you can long-term outpace taxes and inflation. That's for sure. You, you absolutely need that. And that, that's one of the ways you look at it. And you have to include even your bank accounts. You know, when you take a look at all of your resources, if you have too much money sitting in the banks, not earning an effective enough long-term rate of return, you will lose down the road to taxes and inflation. It's, you know, so, so it's a balancing act. It's a balancing mix. And, and you know, I was explaining to someone, too, that, that this past week I said, listen, I said our stock market is a market of extremes. Think about this. Let's just do some simple math. If the long-term average of the stock market, just so I can do math easy, is say 10%, it's right around there. But let's say it's 10%. Okay, then and 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 one year we have a 5% return. The next year we have a 15% return. That'll average 10% over two years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
So, so when you go back to 1913 and you take a look at the history of our stock market, we live in a market of extremes, extreme highs as far as performance goes, extreme lows. Although seven and a half out of ten years were positive for, for you know, long-term looking at it. But understand this. In order to get the average, you've got to stay in the market. Yeah. Okay? And this is where people mess themselves up. You know, the average investor is, is single-digit performance, you know, 4 or 5% average long-term. Whereas the market is, is 9 10 This just in. Death, destruction, and violence. Film at 11. Come on. Is all the news really bad? How about some good news in your daily routine? You'll find it when you log on to Christianity.com. They've got great devotionals, terrific Bible study tools, quizzes, and links to the day's most inspiring stories from around the web. Get good news every day when you set your homepage to Christianity.com. Make a difference in your internet life. Christianity.com. That's sort of the balancing act between the two. You just Stay don't take big it. swinging changes either, right? You want to just kind of tweak, no, tweak your, it here, your, tweak your it there. Your core holdings usually stay on. So, mm-hmm. hey, I see it's the bottom of the hour here. Let's take a quick break here. And, and you know, and, and, and some of the things, too, you know, when, when you take a look at this, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about wealth creation and we're talking about all these things. You know, I was in uh, one of my Bible study classes this past week. We're, we're, we're talking about stewardship and, and different things. And in Matthew sixteen twenty six it says, And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? Absolutely not, right? That's a misplaced priority. People, mm-hmm. people will get stressed out over money all the time. And Solomon even said in Ecclesiastes two eleven. Yet when I survived all that my hands, I'm sorry, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So, you know, this, this we have to be in good stewardship positions. We have to understand our, what our role is. Let's get educated on managing assets. Let's, let's have them produce the income that we need. And at the same time, understand, make as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give away as much as you can back to the Lord, right? Amen. So that's the balance mix there. Hey, give us a ring this morning with any of your financial planning or investment questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money. Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More making money sense in a moment. And here's another money minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. 
Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show. I'd love to hear from you at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live here in studio with us today. Larry. So, A financial planning concept that we have used off and on over the years for people uh, is now coming back into favor. And this has not been around for, I'd say, 12, 13, 15 years maybe with the ability to do this. And it's pretty interesting to take a good solid look at this now because rates have gone so much higher. And that's called split funding. Split funding and income stream. So what does split funding and income stream mean? Traditionally, these are used with annuities. You don't need to use an annuity. You could use bonds. You can use dividend-paying mutual funds, okay, high dividend-paying mutual funds. But, you know, if you say, if you say, okay, I've got a block of money, and I want to get an income stream, and I want it to last 20 years, take 5%, right? There you go. So if you take a look at where rates are now, let's suppose that you were to split fund a pile of money to get a higher amount of income versus the typical lifetime stream of income. So split funding works like this. You take a chunk of the money you have and you put it into an immediate pay position and then you take the other piece of the money and put it into a deferral or growth position. And by, by having rates higher now, by having dividends in, in double digits in some areas, or even if you looked at an annuity doing, doing a split funded with an annuity, the, the, the idea here is that you take a piece, let's say 50% of your money, and you put it into immediate pay now, it can almost double your income stream that you would be getting from regular sources while the other 50% of your money is growing back to, to replace what you just put into the immediate income stream sources of dollars. And the math is getting pretty close now to being able to do this over, you know, 9, 12, whatever it is, year, periods of time. The idea here is that given these rates today, we're able to now start looking at doing that and enhancing the amount of money that somebody's actually receiving on an income side. So this is a strategy that, that has been used many, many times over the years, but over the last you know, 10, 12 years or so, it really hasn't because rates have not been cooperative enough to actually look at doing that. So take a look at what we would call split funding. If you want to get some information on that, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, but it's a way to substantially increase your income during retirement years. 
we'll be happy to send you out some information on split funding concepts as well as, as uh, you know, how the 10-year note works and, and things of that nature uh, that we were talking about earlier this morning on, on the show. So, so split funding concept is a, is a pretty good thing that's coming back in play right now. A lot of the newer financial advisors in the industry have no idea what this is about because they've never seen it because it hasn't been really applicable for the last 10, 12 years or so. So, again, rates are changing. Rates have changed. It brings investment opportunity. This is what I tell people all the time. When Congress changes something in taxes, when the government stimulates a part of the economy, when interest rates go up or down, or something happens there, it presents investment opportunity. It also tells you, hey, based off of these conditions, you need to move money away from this area and toward that area. Okay, um, you know, so that's so the reason you have a financial planner, isn't it? If he's watching, gotta that stay up. on top of it. That's I'm, for sure. Because you, you, the rest of us who are out there doing other things don't really have the time to, to look at that, right? We have you guys are you're doing that every day, all day. Yep, that's what we do. That's exactly right, you know. And and spe- speaking of making changes, you know, there we are still getting a lot of and we're going to be rolling out more. We did a we did a webinar. We've done a few webinars on the Lots Secure Act change and we're going to get ready to roll out another one here in September. Uh so stay tuned. It's going to be actually September 20th, 21st, somewhere in that week. Uh we'll be making more announcements on that uh, coming up in in the next couple of weeks, but you know, this whole SECURE Act thing is really starting to mess people up with their beneficiaries, their beneficiary forms, their trust, and the amount of taxes now that beneficiaries are going to be forced to pay a lot earlier in life uh, based off the new SECURE Act rules. And, and a lot of this stuff is going to start with who's the beneficiary. Is the beneficiary going to a person or is it going to a trust? Now, I'm talking about IRA-type money right now, not non-IRA, but IRA-type money. Is it going to a trust? Is it going to a person? There's a substantial difference in taxation depending on the rules of, or, or the language of what that trust says and how, how, who the person is and how old the IRA owner was when they passed away. So understand these. But a lot of this starts off with simply how to fill out the beneficiary form. And on all beneficiary forms, there's two streams of, of, of uh, deliverance of income or two lanes on how income can pass down or the, or the asset can pass. One is called per stirpes and the other is per capita. So, so what is the difference here? By the way, the default is per capita for everybody, okay? But most people need per stirpes. And, and the reason why is this. Let's suppose you have two children and your beneficiaries are per capita and one, one beneficiary passes and then you pass. All that money goes to that other beneficiary, the primary beneficiary. But if it's per capita and one beneficiary predeceases you, then that piece of their, benefit, of their, of their inheritance will pass down per capita to their bloodline, to their kids, to their grandkids, whatever the case may be as far as that goes. So, so understand how to fill out your form. Is it per stirpes? Is it per capita? Okay. So I'm kind of stuck back on when you were talking about whether, whether you have the beneficiary to be a trust or an individual, and there's a big difference in taxes when, one way or the other. How does that work? I mean, how do you actually, because you're uh, doing this one way, be taxed more than doing it another? 
So the rule is this. If if you want to have control over disbursements of assets, then you're going to pay for it through taxes. If you don't want control, you get a lower tax rate. Okay, So there's an incentive to kick the money back into the system. Mm. right? So if you think about a trust, the trust could say language of – and again, Chris, we're just talking about IRA money here – but the trust would have language in it as far as saying this trust will pass through or it's a see-through trust or a conduit trust. It will pass through all income that's dispersed into the trust to the beneficiary. Okay, That means that the taxes will flow through to the beneficiary. But if the trust is an accumulation trust where it says any income that comes in, the trust is going to hold it till a certain point in time down the road, now that's an accumulation trust. And trust tax rates are the high they, – they, like at $12,400 and some dollars of income coming into the trust, it jumps up to the 37% tax rate already, whereas an individual takes about 500000 for it to get that high. So that's how you end up paying more taxes if, it, if the money's inside of an accumulation trust. And the incentive there is – I understand it. The incentive there is to push the income, push money back into the system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so the velocity of money, the money just moving around keeps the economy going, keeps things moving along mm-hmm. the way. And this is where we've had issues where – well, I mean we haven't, but, but a lot of people have had issues where uh, the language in their old trust prior to 2019 need to be changed. They need to be updated. You know, that's why we had a couple of attorneys on recently doing, doing webinars. We're going to bring some more on. Uh, I'm going to be doing another webinar on all of this because this has fundamentally changed retirement distribution planning. It has. Now, now there, there's, cert- there's different rules now. If, if the IRA owner is under 72 when they pass versus if they're over 72 when they pass, there's different rules when it comes to all of that. Now. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand these rules so that people will end up – so that beneficiaries – can be informed on how to minimize taxes when the dollars are coming to them. Okay, that's what that's what this is is really boiling down to. Again, another thing that I said earlier, Congress makes a huge change in taxation. It changes the way people have to do retirement planning, and and legacy planning as well. How do we move more money to the tax free side of things? You know, you look at legacy planning through insurance. You look at legacy planning through Roth conversions. Um, all different types of scenarios there because you've got to get more money onto the tax-free side of the ledger for heirs so that they're not you know, uh, subject to a lot of – if you just simply think about you know, if, if, if you inherit $500,000 in an IRA and you're under the new 10-year distribution rule, which means you don't have to take any money out for 10 years, and you let that thing grow, and it grows at 7%, percent seven and change percent in 10 years it'll double and now it's a million dollars and now you're forced to pull it all out so now you drop a million dollars of taxable income onto uh, your tax return guess what tax bracket you're in <coughs> all the just way about 50 percent so you just lost 10 years worth of growth on all of this goodness me right so how do we minimize that effect how, you know and 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 that's that's the crux of, of what happened here in the Secure Act, and people are just starting to realize this now. We have clients in our firm 
that have an inherited IRA the old way where they're able to stretch it over their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they have an inherited IRA where they're under the 10-year rule. And then you add on top of that, was the deceased benef- uh, IRA owner, was he or she over or under 72? That is another set of rules like the dis- that they have, the to, have to deal yeah. with in the 10-year period of time. Yeah. So it's complicated, but once you understand them all, it's pretty easy. The bottom line is this, is people will just say, well, just send me the money, and they're paying an unnecessary excessive tax when they don't have to. And that's the point of all of this, is we've got to educate people on that. So we're going to be having a webinar coming up in September on on this, uh, as, as like we did. Uh, we've done a few of them, and uh, great response. We're going to keep rolling these things out. We've got to educate people on how to do this, because there's no sense in paying unnecessary taxes, especially if they're excessive. So, hey, give us a ring this morning at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'm back home with Ford. You are listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855 767 3123. That's 855 Rose 123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. We'd love to hear from you this morning. 855 767 3123. 855 Rose 123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who is live in studio taking your questions. Larry. One of the overlooked um, pieces of a partnership that people forget about, and I'm talking to business owners here, is what happens if one of your partners predeceases you or becomes disabled? What happens at that point? Well, all of a sudden you're in business with his or her spouse. That may or may not be a good thing, right? So one thing that that a lot of uh, savvy business owners will do is they will do what's called a cross-purchase or entity-type purchase insurance policy. So you have two partners here. Here's how this works. You have two partners, (coughs) partner A and partner B. 
they both have a life insurance policy on but on each other okay so if one of them passes the other partner has enough assets to come in to sort of replace the value the intrinsic value and to look around and hire somebody of quality and use those funds to to pay and get somebody started up or just take over the whole operation themselves so so a lot of times you know you'll have somebody who's more of the the uh, the technical person versus the big picture person, you know that that make partnerships work and and sing well together, and and so you want to make sure that you have these types of programs in place. Just a simple uh, key person type of, an, not really key person, but it's more of a, a a partnership type of an insurance policy. Key person insurance is if you have that key person and something happens to him or her. You know, wow, the the uh, the entity could be in trouble, right? So you want to have insurance to replace that person, right? Is is what you want to do, uh, so that you can go out and find quality. You know, sort of hire Bob, best of the best, right? That's what you're that's what you're really uh, you know, <laughs> looking for when you want to make when you want to make a hire. So so a lot of people will use these types of insurance policies. You could just do simple term insurance. It's very inexpensive. You can have the corporation pay for it, or each individual can pay for it. You can even add it as a as a benefit for a spouse too. Part of the part of the money goes to the corporation. Part of the money goes to the spouse. So, um, but don't overlook the importance of having key person or uh, partnership type of insurance. Let's welcome Michael on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? rates right now I would look at a at a six or one year uh, government treasury bond is what I would look at you know it's backed by the government uh, you don't pay state taxes on it versus a bank CD you pay state and federal taxes whereas a treasury you only pay federal taxes on it the state is exempt from it um, so that's you know that's a pretty easy thing to do uh, just drop it right into treasury bill there for you you know, one of the one of the neat things about it is, if you compare it versus a bank CD, if you pull money out of the bank CD prior to the maturity date, you could be subject to a penalty. Whereas in a treasury bill, you're not. They just give you the interest up to that date that it's in there, and then it pulls back out if you're doing it, you know, through a brokerage type of an account. So, so that's that's what I would suggest for you as far as that goes. If you just want to use it as a temporary parking spot. That way you don't have any risk in the markets if they were to go down. So I can I can go ahead and send you some information out on how to go about getting them if you'd like. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay, Michael, I'll put – I'll go ahead and put you on hold, and um, uh, uh, Bob will get your information. We'll send you out information on, on the Treasury bills then, okay? Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Keto on the line. Good morning, Keto. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. Yep. How can I help you? Yeah, I just have a question. I heard um, 
that there's a new rule by the IRS that applies to irrevocable trusts that when you transfer assets, they're now taxable. Are you guys familiar with that, or did I misread? That the a- assets you transfer into an irrevocable trust are taxable to you? No, no. If you have, uh, if you have assets in an irrevocable trust and you want to give it to a beneficiary, maybe like your children, when they go to do that, it's now taxable? So it could be taxable from an income standpoint, depending on the origin of the funds, but not an estate tax. When you put money into an irrevocable trust, you're effectively removing it from your gross estate for estate tax purposes. But depending on what's inside of it, there's growth, dividends, things like that. The trust could end up paying taxes on those proceeds from that standpoint. And but when, when that asset, say a real estate asset, is transferred to a beneficiary, is that still taxable? Or is that taxable? No, now they would receive it. They would receive a stepped-up basis. If you transferred a, a, a real estate at a million dollars into an irrevocable trust, as an example, and later it was worth three million dollars, they get a stepped-up basis. There's no gain. There's no tax on that gain. <clears throat> yeah, I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I heard differently that, that that's not the case anymore. That there's a new rule by the IRS that that no. now becomes taxable. No, okay. no. I do know that that uh, <clears throat> I do know that President Biden, when he first took office, tried to get rid of stepped-up bases, but he did that. That did not pass. So, to my knowledge, that has not passed. Okay, believe me, I would know about it. That, that's a huge tax rule, okay? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll would, see if I can find the uh, news clip I saw it. Yeah, it would devastate businesses. It would devastate farms. It would, it, you know, when you remove stepped-up bases, um, you know, and, and then uh, just think about that. You're paying tax upon tax upon tax upon tax every time an asset goes up and it transfers, Um now, now the offset was that they were going to reduce some other taxes, but that got killed in Congress very quickly. It would it would devastate a whole bunch of things. So that is not passed. Yeah, I wonder if it's the IRS is acting rogue and <laughs> takes this on themselves. No, they can't do that. They are under law. Okay, we are a country of laws. They they can't just do that. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. So right. I don't know. I don't know where you got the information from, Keto, but that's not correct. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Yep, appreciate the phone call. Hey, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. One of the other things I wanted to talk about today, and, 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 you know, Chris, that just goes to show, too, that when you're sitting down and you're taking a look at, at, at taxes and trust, whether they're revocable or irrevocable and things like that, you know, when when you look at at, at Think of a think of a tube, and an asset goes into the tube, and and then the asset's living in the tube, and the asset comes out of the tube. What are the taxes to put the asset into something? What are the taxes while it's sitting in that thing? And then what are the ass What are the taxes when it comes out of that thing? Mm-hmm. Right. Containers. So, yeah. Yeah. It, when the money goes in, or an asset goes into the tube, what's the cost? Is there a tax to put it in there? What's the cost or the tax while it's in there? And what's the cost or the tax when it comes out and gets dispersed? A few moving parts there. 
there are. And so you always have to think of it in that format, in that way. So, hey, another thing I wanted to talk about today was, you know, we touched a little bit on, on uh, cross-purchase or entity purchase life insurance policies for partnerships. I also wanted to talk about the purpose and the idea of what is the purpose behind long-term care insurance. You know, long-term care insurance is becoming a bigger and bigger blind spot in a lot of people's estates. People are living longer, mm-hmm. right? Into their 90s. Even. Which is a great thing, okay? They're living longer. So, so what is the purpose of long-term care insurance? First of all, the purpose of long-term care insurance is to provide adequate care for the person that needs those services. And then the second purpose of it is to protect the assets for the surviving spouse or heirs. Think about this. You've worked long and hard your entire life. You've saved money and and saved assets, and you don't want them to go to a long-term care facility, right? So how do you go about programming long-term care insurance? What's the purpose of it? How do you, how do you sit down and say, I have enough. I don't need it. Hmm. Or, you know what? Do I need it? And then how much of it do I need, and what kind should I get? There's three or four different types of policies out there today. There's a traditional long-term care. There's an asset-based long-term care policy. There's a life-slash-long-term care policy. They all pay, but they all go about doing it a little differently. And the cost structure on all of them are done differently as well. But the bigger question comes back to, do I need long-term care insurance? You know, how do I go about assessing do I need one, right? And, and the answer is pretty simple here. You know, well, first of all, we work with financial plans with all of our clients, and we put it right in there, and we show, you know, if you need it or not, right? Um, and then the question is, well, how much do we need? You know, let's just suppose that the average cost per day is $150 a day in a long-term care facility. Now, I'm talking nationwide here, Okay. So what, do you want to insure $150 a day or do you want to insure $100 a day? What's the difference in the, in the monthly or the yearly premium? And it's substantially different, you know. And if you say, well, wait a minute here, I'm, I'm 65 years old and I'm going to buy a long-term care policy for an event that may, again, may take place 20 years from now, that's 20 years of premium I have to give and I'm subject to the premiums going up, what about the rest of my assets? Should I self-insure? It depends. You have to have that conversation, you and your spouse and your financial advisor, to point out the different risks. What if you bought a policy that covers, let's say, 70% of today's cost and, and kept that premium the same and the rest of your assets grew to protect for the piece that it doesn't cover, right? So there's a lot involved in actually programming and thinking, how much do I need, how much of long-term care insurance do I need if I need it at all? But this is a conversation that everybody needs to have. Everybody needs to look at this blind spot in your overall estate plan because it can be very, very expensive a lot of times for people, and that's very unfortunate, you know, so... 
Um, hey, check out my website, RosenthalWealthManagement.com or LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our newsletters. We send out a weekly market commentary every Monday. You can catch us next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I appreciate you all working this Saturday. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And if you have questions during the week, shoot us off an email or give the office a call at 855-ROSE-123. Have a great weekend. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.